We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. God be the glory. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You may be seated. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just being an awesome and mighty God who first loved us before we knew to love ourselves, who sent us your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, but resurrected and ascended into heaven. We have victory in the name of Jesus. There's power and healing and authority in the name of Jesus. God, we come before you today praying that you get the glory out of our time together, that you speak to our hearts, that you clear our minds, that you allow us to hear just as you want us to. We pray, God, that today in this time of fellowship, in this time of gathering, that your word comes through strong and mighty and powerful. Give each one of my brothers and sisters and your sons and daughters a word directly from you. Bless your humble servant as I stand before your people. Sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. May you be glorified in this time that we have together. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Say amen again. I'm just making sure this mic is on. Say amen one more time, three times. Yes, amen. Welcome to the table. If this is your first time, welcome. Thank you for joining us for football Sunday, you might have pulled up today and said, what in the world are they doing? Am I in the right place? Somebody might have said, hey, good morning, and tried to hand you a hot dog. (laughs) I pray you took it and you partook because there is nothing like a grilled hot dog. 
Amen. I was going to say, some of y'all are like, <laughs> we'd have ruined your whole, uh, your whole New Year's. You start the year saying, no more hot dogs. And we took your resolution and said, here is a hot dog. <laughs> Amen. Today is football Sunday, and it falls right into our sermon series. We're in the middle of a series. This is the second uh, Sunday of our series called Conversations. Conversations at the table. And we started talking about just things that go on at the table. We based the conversation last week on a passage where Jesus is teaching about humility and humanity. And that's a conversation that he was having at the table. Not like at this table, like a table, like at the, you see what I'm doing here? Y'all with me? All right. Well, there's a lot that can get talked about at the table. Sports and football gets talked about a lot at the table. When I was a kid, my dad really wasn't into sports. But my grandfather, my grandfather was heavy into sports. My grandfather, my mom, my uncle, that's all, honestly, that's like all we ever talked about. It was like, how was your day? Well, the Browns lost. I'm originally from Cleveland, so you got to bear with me getting through conversations about sports can sometimes be a little tough. But I remember, I remember, I remember, and it still stinks really bad. The 1986 AFC Championship game to this day, I still don't like John Elway and his silly face. <laughs> don't like him. There's this thing called the drive. The Browns in my lifetime, this is the closest that they were ever to the Super Bowl. He led a 98-yard drive to end the game and beat the Browns to send us packing and I remember it was literally like ruined the whole year for everybody I know. All the way until 1987, when John Elway and his stupid face <laughs> did it all over again. And we were this close to the Super Bowl and Ernest Biner fumbles on the goal line. To win, to tie, he would, the, the touchdown would have tied the game. The extra point would have won the game to send us to the Super Bowl. And John Elway and his stupid face. Oh, man. I'm sorry. That's not why you're here. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is that there's a lot that we can learn from the game of football. There's a lot that can happen in a conversation at the table. And today, you are going to embark on one about football. And we're going to walk through some text. We're going to help you make a connection to the gospel through the game of football. Because there's like this thing that happens like later today, that like millions and millions and millions and millions of people are going to watch. But one thing about football that we have to know, that, that everybody at least knows, Emily alluded to it earlier, is like, you got to pick a team. You got to pick a team. How many of you, show of hands, how many are going for the Eagles today? Fly, Eagles, fly. All right. What about Kansas City? 
You know, the messed up part is I was actually going to be like, Eagles fans move over here, Kansas City fans move over here, but it just kind of ha happened that way. <laughs> but there's something that you got to do. Football is all about fandom. It's all about making decisions. It's all about picking a team. And on the Super Bowl, the way that you start the game is with a coin toss. You have to pick heads or tails, and you have to make a decision up front. Pick heads, pick tails. But the decision is super important. Logos and the Lombardi Trophy is heads. The stadium is tails. It is my honor to present Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Namath to toss the coin. All right. See, Seattle's a visiting team. Who's going to call the toss? Tails. He calls tails. Now, Jeff. Tails. It is tails. You want to toss? Seattle won the toss. The first of the second. You have to make a choice. What happened there is the coin toss was ready to start the game. And the coin was flipped and nobody had chosen heads or had chosen tails. See, as a fan of football, as a fan of the game, a big choice that you make is the team that you're on. See, I can see from this distance that Phil is a Seahawks fan. Then I asked him about his fandom, and he has on four layers of Seahawks gear, just in case anybody needed a team to cheer for. He's just going to start taking stuff off and... <laughs> Because you can see immediately from a distance who is on your team and who is not. You can see right away, you can recognize somebody and often acknowledge somebody by their fandom. If you have ever been anywhere and you see a Bears fan and the Bears just won, you may not know that person, but you might give that head nod that's like, Or depending on the Sunday, you might be like. But whatever it is, you, you recognize and you acknowledge the fandom. But then every once in a while, when it comes to what team you're on, there's the same thing as being a fair weather fan. I get a lot of grief about being a Cleveland fan. I am a Cleveland fan through and through. And guess what? It's always next year. And I'm going to keep saying <laughs> It's always next year, because when next year starts, we will be zero and zero. But you always know where we stand. So I want to share this thought with you that John the Baptist was sharing with the Pharisees in John chapter 1, verse number 10. He says this, talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus, excuse me. He says, he came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and they rejected him. But to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Jesus came 
to be the savior of the world. And many people who should have acknowledged him and identified him, they did not. They didn't recognize him, but that wasn't the problem. The problem came in the rejection of Jesus. See, I want you guys to understand that just like your fandom, you either say you're with me or you're against me. There's people in this room who I ask, who are you going for, the Eagles or the Chiefs? Most of you said nothing. I'm going to check back with you and check your Facebook feed at 7 o'clock. Because there's people in this room that's when the Chiefs are up or the Eagles are down. You're going to be like, woohoo, fly, Eagles, fly. Because you're a fair weather fan, because whoever is winning, that's who you associate with. See, when it comes to Jesus, there is a time where we have to pick a side. We have to pick who we are, where we are, and who we're rolling with. We have to recognize, we have to acknowledge, and we have to accept. Because we're supposed to be on God's team. And I have to clarify this major misunderstanding. There are people who will tell you, we are all God's children. I have to correct you. I have to hit you with a hard truth here. We are all God's creation. But we are not all God's children. Because there is a requirement of being God's child, and that requirement is accepting Jesus Christ. Wow. I know what you're thinking. What? Wait a second. It is the acceptance of Jesus that creates us. I just read it to you. But all who believed in him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. So that requires a not just an acknowledgement. Are you with me? It is a requirement of acceptance. And when we accept him, then we become part of the team. To not accept is the same as rejecting. Did you catch that? It's okay, it's okay. You can say amen. To not accept is the same as rejection because you still made a choice. So this is the condition that makes up the child of God. Our acceptance allows us to become a child of God. And this is what verse 13 says. It says, those that do that, they are reborn, not with a physical birth, but resulting, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. To be born again, accepting Jesus makes you part of the same team. We follow God together. We behave in a Christ-like manner together. That's what makes us part of the team. We work to spread the gospel together. That's how we show our fandom. So you might be thinking, wait a second. 
I thought I understood this differently, but I'm hearing something different. Wait a minute, I'm thinking about maybe I've made a mistake. Maybe I've thought about this wrong. Maybe I've gone about this the wrong way. Well, can I just free you of something? Mistakes are okay. I think it was, don't be alarmed, the notorious B.I.G. who said it this way, if you don't know, now you know. Because it's not the mistakes. The mistakes are not the problem. You have to understand, you can make mistakes, and sometimes we do make mistakes, but the thing is, when you learn something different, you do something different. You have to realize that it's not my mistake that condemns me because Jesus is redemptive. So if we make a mistake, we acknowledge the mistake. Don't run from the mistake. Acknowledge the mistake and then realize that it's going to be Jesus that helps set you forward so you don't keep making the same mistake over and over and over. See, in a game of football, sometimes mistakes can be made, but it's a game of four quarters and two halves. Sometimes mistakes are made, but it comes a point where you have to overcome the mistake because the team is depending on you. The team is depending on you. You, right? Yeah, so I can't cry about a mistake that I made. I got to suck it up. And I'm asking you to do the same thing. Not for me, but for the team. Your teammates are depending on you. They had no idea you would be as good as you are. They looked at your record and said they've only won two games. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna roll right over. And they got a rude awakening. You yes, guys sir. showed up to play. You came to play football today. Now we need to work on that word we talked about earlier this evening. Consistency. Consistency. Can we play the same or better in the second half? Oh, yeah, we can. Can we? Okay, I'm going to yes, ask sir. you that again. Can we? And the answer to correct, I'm going to give you an answer. you cheat. The answer is yes, sir. Can you play as well or better as you did in the first half? Yes, sir! Can you play as well or better as you did in the first oh, yeah. half? Consistency. Can you play as well or better in the second half as you did the first? Can I put it to you like this? Can you play better going forward than the mistakes that you've made previously? I know you're thinking those NFL players got real small. But quite honestly, it's the only video I could find that had age-appropriate word choices <laughs> that would prove the same point. And what that coach is saying, you might have been hard to hear because of the wind blowing, but he said two things. He said, first of all, don't worry about the mistakes that you made. Don't worry about them. Don't dwell on them. Snap back into it. Get on the game plan. Refocus because the team is depending on you. If you get too far down, I'm talking, to, I'm talking to somebody who has a family. You get too far down on yourself and you don't move on. Guess what? Your family is dependent on you to be your best self. You don't have time to stay down here. 
the team is depending on you. As a culture, the church, the team is depending on us. As church, we have to, as a body of believers, we have to get our act together. We have made some mistakes. We have done some things wrong. But I'm telling you, we serve a living Christ, and we need to get our act together, pull ourselves together, get back out here, because the team is depending on us. Coach is saying to them, look, all I need you to recognize, okay, you made mistakes, but I need you to understand there's a whole second half. There's a before Christ and there's an after Christ. I'm trying to help you today. There's a before I understood, before I took it serious, before I really got it together, before I realized how big of a role my part is in the kingdom, before I understood it. But now that I know, he's telling them, you've got to realize all I want you to do is to be better in the second half. Consistency is everything. The consistency is everything. We have to learn from our mistakes. Because let's be honest, some of us made some bad choices because it was worth the risk. Let's just be honest. You didn't do sin that you didn't like. That don't make sense. Right? You made bad choices because it was worth the risk. And then when we got caught, we was more sorry we got caught than it was of what we actually did or did not do. There are times when we do things that we didn't know were wrong. But then there are times that we do things that we simply don't have the willpower to overcome. Insert Jesus. Because here's the thing, sometimes we make up our minds, okay, I'm going to get my life together, I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to make a decision for Christ, and we do, and we have all the best intentions, but there's something in us that just keeps pulling us towards the very thing that we vowed we would never, ever, ever do again. Insert Jesus. Because those are the things that God was aware of. Those were the things of why he sent Jesus to seek us out. Because it will come a time, it will come a place that you will make up your mind. You will have all the best intentions. But something just has a hold on you that you can't seem to let go of. In Matthew, the 18th chapter, verse number 2. It reads this, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? How many of you have heard this before in some shape, form, or fashion? The 99 and the one. And we always have the conversation and we say, well, thank God for his relentless love for us that he goes after the one. Have you ever been in that phase, the one? Have you ever needed to know that, wait a second, Jesus is going for me, he's coming after me, the one, the lost. Well, I want to talk to you about the team, though. That's the one, but today it's not about the one. Today I want to point out the team, the 99. Because unless the 99 are doing what they're supposed to, walking in line, 
ordering their steps, leading and guiding and setting the pace for one another, it doesn't give God the space to walk away and check on the one who wanders. Can I have just three people? Three people. Give me three volunteers real quick. Real quick. Three people. All right. One, Mark. Y'all two, come on. And then I need one from the Kansas City side. Come on. Anybody, come on up here. Stay down here because I want to show y'all something. All right, so you just stay right there, Mark. All right, Connie, Lindsay, y'all just kind of stand side by side. Face the crowd. Stand right here. All right. All right, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to just stare down at the ground. Don't cheat. Don't look anywhere else. Just stare at the ground. And I want you to just come towards where my voice is. I got to go somewhere. So I'm over here. Don't look up. I want you to just walk near where you hear my voice. Where's my voice? Where's my... Stop. Now, you could have taken this one of two ways. I want you to catch this. This was not pre-rehearsed. I have not moved. I'm in the same place. And my voice, everybody in here can hear my voice. Everybody in here hears where my voice is coming from. But one person decided to take a different path to me. These three decided to take the same way. And I'm going to ask you, the three here, why did y'all all come this way? Because you can hear my voice. Could you see anybody else? Aha. Connie says, I see his feet. You, you didn't cheat. <laughs> All right, you guys go ahead and go back to your seats. What I wanted to show you in a very simple form is that my voice is one place. The crowd is in another place. But notice, it's inevitable somebody is going to stray. But the ones that stayed together, Connie said, well, even though my face was down and I'm looking at the floor, I saw his feet. So because she saw the person next to her going in the same direction, the right direction, she knew she was on course. Because she was going in the same direction, yes, my voice didn't sway, it didn't go anywhere, but there was some comfort in the very fact that even though I'm not looking in a direction, there's somebody next to me going the right way. See, the team is dependent on us to be the person going in the right way. Because if we're hurting and we're all together, then we have to go in the right direction and we become the guidelines and the focus and the direction for each other. You have to catch this. The team, the team is depending on you. The 99, if they stay in line, they get directions from God's voice. They might get instruction from God's voice, but direction from one another. See, the conversation that we need to have is the reason it's important that we get in line is because we allow each other to provide guidance and support and love and peacefulness and joy in the collective. The team depends on it because we're playing for the same team and we've gotten our priorities straight. 
Not to be in each other's business for none of No, we're doing it because we're serving a God that's bigger than us, and we're working towards a purpose that's far greater than our own journey. The team is depending on us. And here's the thing. God, he wants you to win. In this life game, he wants you to win. He wants you to win. Somebody should have said amen to that. God is not against you. God is not your opposition. God is not your issue. You have to understand that God, he wants you to win. And in this case, you have to understand that it's set up for you to win. And you have to take all things into consideration. So I'm going to show you another video. And in this video, this is what happens. There's a field goal kicker. After all, it is football Sunday. There's a field goal kicker. His name's Justin Tucker. One of the best field goal kickers in the history of football. And the game is on the line. And he lines up and he, and he prepares to take the longest kick in history. 67 yards. He lines up, and he kicks the ball for the win. And this is what happens. Every step counts. In that video, I told you I set it up. Justin Tucker, best kicker of all time, all sorts of records. At some point in his career, I think he hit like 50 straight field goals or something like that. But he was trying for the world record. The longest in football history was 67 yards. He kicked it, and what happened? He missed it. 
And the announcer said, from 67, no. But if it had been from 66, he would have nailed it. So the next video is Justin Tucker again from 66 yards. He kicks it. It hits the goal post, bounces backwards, and goes into the goal. He nailed it, and he won the game. Every single step counts. One yard difference. Three feet was the difference between victory and failure. We tell you every week, we talk about next steps. Every week, we talk about baptism, discover you, journey study. Three steps will be your difference from your victory and your failure. We talk to you about just coming to church, commit to learning, invite others. Three steps will be the difference between victory and failure. Three steps could be the difference between failure and victory, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Three things. I just got to tell you, you can win. At this life thing, you can win, you can be redeemed, you can, things can change. If you just take the steps, there's no pressure to take the steps. You're you're putting more pressure on yourself because you're too far away. So here's the challenge that I have for you. And by you, I mean Todd and David. You have an opportunity with the game on the line to kick a game-winning field goal right now. Can I have the house lights up, please? I would encourage you in that back corner to just step to the side because the goal is right behind you. The uprights are there. The kick is going to go forth. The game is on the line. Now, it is up to you whether you cheer or whether you move. There is no pressure, but the kick must be good.
we give Todd and David a hand. God clearly wanted Todd to win. No. <laughs> See, God knows how difficult this life thing is. God knows how crazy this game of life can be. God knows what it's like to, how difficult it is to make the right choices, how hard it is to make adjustments in the middle, how hard it is to stay forward and, and not succumb to the pressure. God knows all about that. And that's why he sent Jesus. In Luke, the 19th chapter, Jesus talking to a man named Zacchaeus. And he says it like this. He says, salvation has come to this home today. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save. Jesus came to seek and to save. So part of this is understanding that Jesus is out to find The question becomes, is what do you do and how do you respond to that? How do you respond to the way that he seeks you out? A week and a half ago, some of you know this story because I've been trying to work through it and you might not know the conclusion of it. But about two weeks ago, I lost my wallet. Couldn't find it, all my credit cards, money, everything, couldn't find it. And I looked, and I searched, and I backtracked, and I just could not find my wallet. Looked everywhere, and I was telling people, man, pray for me. Hopefully I can find this wallet. Can I find this wallet? Everything I have in it, searching for it. And then it got to a point where everywhere I thought to look, I could not find it. I did not find it. But you know what? My life had to go on, so I would go to Bible study. I would go pick the kids up, I would have to do the things that I had to do because I had to keep going even though my wallet was lost. And I was praying about it and the day I woke up at like three in the morning and I thought, today I just need to call, cancel everything, cancel all my cards, call the bank, do all this stuff, 3 a.m. And I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, no, you'll find it. 3 a.m. It was nothing I could do at 3 a.m. anyway. This was my plan for the day. So I said, okay, and I didn't do it. I proceeded with my day. I was here in the building, and I was talking to some people. Pastor Emily was here with me. The phone rings. And I hear her say, wait, yeah, 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 he's here. And she's like, I think you want to take this. There's a guy saying he found your wallet. Now, this has been a week, and at least a week and a half, maybe not quite two weeks. I'm like, what? I get on the phone, and the gentleman says, hey, hi, I found your wallet. Um, I just wanted to try to get it back to you. I'm like, really? He proceeds to tell me that he was in the parking lot as I drove away. He said that he tried to flag me down and get my attention. I didn't see him, I was going the other way. He said, I asked around, I looked around. I think he said a family member of his had instructed him, we'll check Facebook. He checked Facebook, he found somebody that looked like me, 
because my driver's license looked like a mugshot. <laughs> he said, well, it kind of looked like it. And then he said, I looked on the page and I saw something said the table. So I just looked it up and I just happened to call because I wanted to make sure you got your wallet. I'm in the area, I'll be back, I can drop it off in an hour, a half hour or something. So we get a chance to meet, we talk. And all I wanted to know was like, I was really grateful that he gave me the wallet, everything intact. I mean, he, but I was more inter interested in the pursuit. Like what made you want to find me so bad? And it was the simplest, most prophetic thing ever. He said, I just, I would want somebody to do the same for me. And so if I could tell him today, I would tell him the same thing that I'm going to tell you. That is exactly what God did. God knew that one of these days, you would be an old, abandoned wallet. Left out in the cold, feeling like nobody cared about you. Lost, felt like your owner was not looking for you. Life is moving on. But here you are, this lonely, mugshot, licensed, wet leather wallet. Laying on the ground. Cold and dirty. You get where I'm going with this? But God knew in our moments of being lost that he would send us somebody who would seek to find us. He gave us Jesus who came to seek and to save. So I don't know if you're here today as a lost soul looking to be found, if something is broken and you're looking for it to be healed, if you are a believer without a church home, can I just tell you, God did that for me by my wallet, but he did it for you. Me losing my wallet was just as much for you in this moment. He sent Jesus to seek you out, to find you. This is your moment to be found. This is the moment that he stands at the door and knocks. Revelations 3 and 20 says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear my voice, open the door and I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. He's saying, I sought you out. How could he knock at your door unless he found you at your address? I stand there and I knock. Will you open up? Will you let me in? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are such a great God. Today as we 
celebrate this football Sunday and we use the game of football to help make life connections, to help us understand about how important our decisions are, to help us understand how important it is to have a team, to help us understand how badly you want us to win, to help us understand that you knew it would be difficult. So you gave us a lifeline. And today I stand before you people, extending the invitation of Jesus knocking at the door. God, it is my prayer to anyone under the sound of my voice who does not know you, have been introduced to you today, that they answer the call for you to enter their lives. I pray that if you are under the sound of my voice and you never have before, but you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to surrender and let him in. I pray that you have the courage to say unto yourself, God in heaven, I accept your son Jesus as my personal savior. Forgive me for the sins that I've committed knowingly, knowingly and unknowingly. I pick my team and I need your guidance. The word of God says that if you open the door, he will come in. But you got to let him all the way in. Father God in heaven, if there's anyone here who is a believer but is looking for a place, I pray now in Jesus' name that you speak to their hearts and tell them this is the place, this is the team. At this table, we shall go forth and spread the gospel, spread the good news. Father, give somebody the courage to take a step and profess you as the head of their life and their desire to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Give somebody the courage to take a step and to say they want to be mentored and they want to learn more about you and they want to study the Word of God and make a commitment to learning. Give somebody the courage to trust you in their finances in ways that they haven't before by giving God, give us the courage to make a decision to pick our team and to go for the win. God, we honor you with this time, with this blessing, with this service. Thank you for all that you are and all that you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. message challenged you and moved you forward personally or in faith we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today and if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information